Shalom, James. Shalom, Rabbi. Good to see you. Good to and be. And there you I, are, I, back in. I'm back in the back in the Ozarks, but uh, and I miss you. I miss you, you so you much. I, we had such a wonderful time together, but it was uh, it passed mm-hmm. so quickly. And ate a lot of good soup too. Yes. <laughs> so anyway, so a lot of stuff. Did you have a, a safe back. and safe, uneventful, and and pleasant trip back? Pleasant trip, very uneventful, thank God, and uh, slept most of the way. Watched a bad movie, which put me to sleep, so they're good for that. And uh, <laughs> so, uh, anyway, it was a very busy trip, and I did not get to see everyone who I wanted to see. And I, Bezalel Hashem, I hope I can go back uh, very soon. I'd love to be there for Pesach, but uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. And I apologize to all of our friends out there watching that I have the sniffles today. So I'm going to be daubing the old nostrils every once in a while. So Well, we all hope that you feel better, Jim. And we had a, a wonderful time with you. We're so glad that you were here. And look forward to your return, your safe return to the Amen. land. Amen. So this week is a big week because we are actually concluding the book of Exodus. Yeah. Yeah, big, with big, the big. with the, with the double portion, with the reading of the last two two parshiot. Actually, every year that's a normal year, meaning that's not a leap year, we read these two portions together, Vayakel Pekude, beginning in chapter thirty-five of Exodus. It's also the Sabbath of the of Chodesh. It's called uh, right. Parshat Chodesh, which is the the succession of the special Sabbaths between the month of Adar and Pesach, this is the special Torah reading in uh, Exodus 12 of this month shall be for you the first of the months. That's the Maftir, the special additional reading in preparation for Rosh Chodesh Nisan, which is coming next week. Mm -hmm. And of course, it's all rolling up uh, as a sort of a wonderful holy preamble to Pesach and and, uh, this, this night of remembering the most pivotal event. I, I, I think this is the most pivotal event in the history of the of actually the world when you think about it. And that's that of course is, is Pesach. And uh, it's one of my favorite events, narratives, um, happenings. and I've it's everybody knows I've been smitten by uh, the story of, of uh, the Exodus and um, and whether it happened or not. We'll be talking about that, hopefully, in the upcoming, uh, well, for the celebration, the Ohel Moed. But a um, lot of stuff in the news today, a lot of uh, things that, uh, I don't know if you want to bring this up yet or not, but uh, there are things, again, where we're reading the Torah Parsha and the basic concepts are leaping off the page at us again as we're reading of a kind of twin uh, or a, a comment on on reflection reflection exactly thank you so yeah so I'm reading about these banks in America that are going belly up um, so. yes yeah oh well I, okay I I was going to wait because uh, the uh, we, this double Torah parsha that we have if if everybody uh, is has their Torah in front of them. The, the second parsha, Pekodei, which uh, of course is from the word 
pakod, which is uh, an accounting. A and reckoning. after we a, a reckoning, a, you know, going through sort of sort of uh, looking at the books and making sure everything balances. And what I find, again, always remarkable is we're reading about how Moshe was very scrupulous after, after we see this entire construction and all of the detail that goes on into putting together the Mishkan. Uh, we see that Moses looks at that all of this coming in, this gold and the silver and the, the wonderful uh, items that were created. He says, okay, this is it. We've got it accounted. We're, we, we've, uh, nobody's taken. I haven't taken anything. And uh, that wasn't, you know, this I didn't take anything. transparency and total accountability. And the, the whole second Torah portion of these, of this, this, these, twin, these twin portions, Pikudei, beginning in verse 21 of chapter 38, all it is is like a receipt book. Yeah. Except exactly. that there is, there, actually, that's not all it is at all because there are some earth shattering. Uh, mm-hmm. Just tremendous, tremendous verses that I want to speak well, I, about. Um, what I was going to bring up is, is if uh, I think most of our our uh, audience probably watches the news very carefully, is is these major banks, Silicon Valley Bank, um, the other the other bank that we just looked at. I was looking at the at the uh, front page of the Wall Street Journal, and uh, the uh, it's a meltdown. And it's involving billions of dollars, and this is uh, all because of the opposite of what we read in Pekudei. It's people who were not scrupulous, who were dishonest with the money, that were spending it for not investments in things that would, you know, make a return on the investment, but were spending it on causes like green deals and, and all of these other agendas that the left is pushing in our face, and especially what's going on in Eretz Israel today with uh, the, the left out there uh, screaming about the demise of democracy, yet that very same democracy elected a parliament by a majority of the people in, uh, in Israel. And we also find out, much to my dismay, that my tax dollars Right. are funding all of that chaos in the streets uh, in Tel Aviv and Jerusalem and right. other there's, cities. There's, this has actually been exposed now that this is like a State Department uh, attempted coup in Israel that that, that uh, the American government is actually funding these anarchist um, demonstrations that are basically um, themselves uh, the opposite of democracy because basically they're trying to unseat uh, a prime minister, and they're trying to cast uh, a, like uh, his entire agenda into into a question. And this, and 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 the government is actually the the officially elected representative of the will of the people. So yeah. the whole thing is totally, totally um, skewed. And again, like you said, Parsha Pikude, The amazing thing about it is, it is a a, a list of responsibility and transparency and, and reckoning of all the materials that went into the tabernacle, which, truth be told, they were Hashem's to begin with because they were, how sure. did, the, how did the, the children of Israel come up with all of these materials there in the desert and, the, and their wanderings in these harsh conditions? 
that's something that we that we need to get to. But I, I want to take it from the top, just about these two portions and the and this um, grand slam uh, ending to the whole saga of the Book of Exodus, which has took us from, you know, the the uh, descent of the children of Israel into Egypt after the death of Joseph and and the original tribes and Yaakov and everything that they went through and the whole period of of that uh, tumultuous, uh, terrible, uh, genocidal um, sojourn in Egypt and their servitude, and then their miraculous release and the miracles of the Exodus and the Ten Plagues and the splitting of the sea and coming to Mount Sinai. Everything has been leading up to to exactly where we are right now, and of, and this, of course, itself being like a like a um, uh, introduction to the book of Yikra, which we're starting next week, which is the heart of the Torah, the whole concept of, uh, as it were, of of ministering to the Shekhinah. But I think that first of all, these two parshiot, they're they, to so many people, they are like redundant, you know, and they are they are um, so misunderstood. And to me, they're the most the most exciting Torah portions, and that there are altogether, the whole idea of what's going on here. There's nothing like this in all of Torah. There's no comparison. There's no parallel to what we're seeing here because, you know, first of all, this this concentration, this focus on the construction of the tabernacle. The you know the detail that we've already learned and that that's been going on for so many Torah portions. There's no parallel to anything like that. The, the attention that Hashem is paying to every single detail that He go, gave over to Moshe on Mount Sinai, beginning in Parsha Truma, and the whole concept of Hashem's desire, as it were, for Him to have a home in this world. Parsha Truma, beginning in Exodus 25. And there, Moshe is on Mount Sinai, and this is what Hashem is telling him. And this is, I think something that people don't appreciate and it's so remarkable because the body of Torah is so complex and vast the 613 commandments and all of the details of how the commandments are to be fulfilled how Hashem's will is to be executed in this world how we are to to basically open up this tremendous uh, circuitry of conduits that bring divine blessing into the world through all of these uh, opportunities that we have to connect heaven and earth through the mm-hmm. mitzvot, and you know that that uh, the Torah lifestyle there's it, it's so involved. There's so much to learn. There's so many details, but yet what we have been focusing on in these Torah portions, Truma, and then Titzaveh, and then the beginning of Kitisa, is all of these details of the tabernacle that will become the holy temple that Hashem is giving over to Moshe on Mount Sinai. Yeah. And that was all really the perspective that we need to appreciate that it was we were like a fly on the wall. You know, we were like a fly on the wall because this was all like a conversation that Hashem was having with Moshe, telling him every detail, not only telling him every detail, but showing him. Like the verses that say, like everything that I showed you in the mountain, he showed him as it were like a vision of the tabernacle. He showed him the half shekel. He showed him the menorah. All of these things that are, that are somehow like a like a an interface between heaven and earth, Hashem showed him, and that was that was all just the, the 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 learning session, as it were, of Moshe on Mount Sinai, during all of those days and nights, and Hashem was 
teaching him the whole Torah, but yet mm-hmm. these are the, the Torah portions that he chose to emphasize separately, as it were. And now, beginning, beginning in Exodus 35, this is like real time. Do you see what I'm saying? The difference, why is there all this repetition? People don't appreciate. What, again? Now, now, now we're going through Parshat Vayaka, but that was the giving over of what, what the children of Israel are to do. And yep. then Moshe assembled the entire assembly. And when was that? The morning after Yom Kippur. Right. You know, and this is <clears throat> this is something that's uh, that struck me that I've never seen before. Uh, as we arrive at the end of Shemot of the books of the book of Exodus and these two Parshiot, is that the- thematically the the conjunction of the reading of Kitisa, which is all about the golden calf uh, mainly, and and that that horrible sin. And the reading of the Paraduma, and the the idea that that uh, that those two together are remarkable in the the teaching that the reason we read them together is because in in uh, in the Golden Calf the idea was is they went astray because they tried to add to his Torah, they tried to add to his instructions. They decided that, well, God's not around, so let's find a replacement. We still believe in God. And they decided to worship God in the way that they thought was proper. And then the, the Praduma teaching comes along to show us that, no, just as you said at Sinai, we will do and we will hear is the, 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 purity, the purest worship is to simply follow instructions as set down in the Torah. So with that teaching, it's like just just do what Hashem says. If if you trust Hashem, if you know if you don't trust you know another entity or whatever, but if you trust Hashem, if you've committed to be His nation, you don't have to understand everything completely because God is not going to trick you with a mitzvah. And so we 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 have this set up last week. And here we go into the, it shows you they learned that lesson. They basically said, you know, he said, uh, bring all these things. And they did. They, and and it, there's, no, there's no hint of anybody bringing the wrong item or doing something wrong or making something wrong. They did it according to his word. And the, the other aspect to it, and then I'll, because I, I will go on if you let me. The the other aspect that's, that's amazing is this is like a marriage. You know, the, the relationship between Israel and Hashem is always likened to a marriage. And when do marriages always get better? It's when the husband and wife have maybe made an error in their relationship. And maybe one of them comes down on the other and says, you know, you did me wrong. And the and the other the uh, the partner says with humility, "You're right, and I'm not going to do that again because I know it's wrong." And there and they the love grows between them. If you've got a good marriage, you've experienced this. It brings you closer together. And and this is what has happened is is uh, the the people are so in love with Hashem now because of because of his kindness towards them when he didn't. He could have, you know, he could have wiped them out. And, and uh, 
So anyway. So it's like the opposite of love means never having to say you're sorry. Love means having to say you're sorry. And then it's better after that, growing from that. Exactly. And that's the unbelievable thing about about the that um, assembly that Moshe made. The, he assembled the entire assembly of the children of Israel. And first of all, he begins by speaking about Shabbat, just for a few verses. And then the entire rest of the portion is about the actual execution of of the instructions to how to make the the tabernacle so there's so much to talk about here and and everything that you said is really spot on i just want to also comment regarding last week's confluence of parshat kitisa and the special sabbath of the red heifer it doesn't always fall out that way like in a leap year yeah. it wouldn't it wouldn't fall out like that um, but in an, a normal year like this one yes the 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 special portion of the red heifer is red in kitisa and of course there is a natural connection because the the um, heifer is the mother of the calf, yeah, and that is a great secret that the sages express. That that the because even though the, the as you know and as you always talk about Jim, the whole idea of the red heifer is that it's a chok, which means that it's beyond human comprehension. We don't understand why it purifies the impure and why the one who's who's handling the ceremony become becomes himself impure. We don't understand the whole idea of how this prescription, which seems to be so unusual, how this brings about purity from exposure to death. And, and then again, what does that even mean? What, why is the concept of death associated with impurity? So the, the, the backstory of all of this, it's so, 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 so deep, but just on one foot, the idea is that the the golden calf was a tremendous tremendous uh, sin and it's and amongst its repercussions it brought the concept of the impurity of death into the world that halachic concept it didn't exist before that so there's something about the 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 terrible um, fallacy and the terrible mistake and misconception of the golden calf that brings death uh, that not, not that brings death that but that brings the impurity of death into the world. And that can only be cleaned, as it were, by the ashes of the red heifer. And the sages, the, the parable that they make is uh, like a, a king had uh, a maid in his palace. And one day the maid brought her child to, to work with her in the palace and he sat in the corner and he, and he dirtied himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, and it, it dirtied the palace. And so they said, let the mother come and clean the filth of the child. That's right. the concept of the heifer being the mother of the calf. So, but but the thing is, you know, it's it's so deep because we don't we don't understand the the bottom line secret of the red heifer, and no one can. And that's the whole concept of that verse in in Ecclesiastes. It's King Solomon who is so wise said, "I thought I would become wise, and I see that it's far from me." Referring to the secret of the red heifer, how it works. But yet, even though we don't understand it completely, we're still allowed and even commanded to expound. And to try to yeah. to find the connections that we can we can and, and thus we know that there is this this connection between the golden calf and the red heifer. So first of all, I, I just want to say one thing about what you said. You said, you know, they they made a god uh, according to what they the way they thought that they should be serving Hashem. But I yeah. would I would just um, add to that they made a god according to what they needed. Yeah. According to what they needed, it's like making 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 something in our image, even though it was a calf. But the the idea is, it wasn't about the calf itself. 
It was about the fact that to to really be be comfortable with Hashem and our relationship with Him and the and the fact that He is totally intangible and totally all encompassing that He and that He is so beyond anything that we can understand that that takes a, a really sophisticated mindset and it takes a lot of of um, you know a kind of like spiritual adulthood maturity and responsibility to be able to deal with the fact that God is unseen and he is every everywhere at once and everything and they were just slaves don't forget they just left mm-hmm. Egypt not long before and so they still had that very kind of like um, you know a limited kind of mentality and they, as I said last week in our in our Torah video, they were they were so dependent on Moshe, right? And the, that was the their problem. love for him was was very great. It was a, it was yeah. a very beautiful relationship. But they made a mistake, and the mistake was that instead of realizing that Hashem chose him to be their prophet and their deliverer and their leader, they thought that he was kind of like a like a godlike person like he became exactly. like a, a little a little miniature Hashem which is not Jewish thinking at all yeah and when he was late which by the way itself was just a total misunderstanding because he wasn't really late but when as soon as he was late they went into this tailspin and they had to have something just to comfort them to 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 you know it's they, they never thought for one minute that that this cow that just came out of the fire actually took them out of out of Egypt, right. but they were they so... Needed, they needed a symbol. They just wanted they something. A symbol, a, a symbol. They needed an icon. They needed a yeah. talisman. They needed something because that's what human nature is. Yeah. And, we, and it we was need something comforting tangible. for them to have, to have something physical, a, a, an object. And it was yeah. a terrible, terrible mistake. Yeah. But um, there's even an idea that our sages teach us that that resulted in Yom Kippur. And that resulted yeah. in Hashem teaching teaching the children of Israel the 13 attributes of mercy and how and how he can be um, supplicated for, for, for mercy. So the idea is it really you can be seen as part of the, the, in the grand scheme of things, as part of a plan to bring a new and novel concept to the world, to show the world that an entire nation can repent it as one man. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. really the story of the, of the first Yom Kippur. And so the... The concept of the tabernacle on the one level is it's a tikkun for for all of this, and the the gold of the of the um, golden calf is is the, is rectified as it were with the gold of the of the tabernacle, and the tabernacle is like the kosher way of Hashem saying, "I can make myself a place in this world, even though I surpass this world and I am and I am beyond this world. I I can." come and mm-hmm. concentrate in this world and and give you a reminder of the fact that even though the, the world is is totally ethereal and it's and it's really the universe is really created by Hashem's thought in the physical realm it is possible to be grounded in this world and bring mm-hmm. Hashem's light into every aspect of of our of our lives and that's really what the what the tabernacle teaches and in the same way it's also what shabbat teaches and that's why yeah. the the the, the uh, prelude to the entire parsha is the commandment of shabbat as well well this, is, just, this just, is the answer to the golden calf this is god says okay uh you I, I i made you i know what you require to to function uh, intellectually and emotionally and I, I realize that and 
of course, the, the wonderful thing is, is that, you know, this rooted out, uh, the, the experience happened because this idea of worshiping a, a physical object uh, had to be rooted out of Israel. That had to be cleaned out of the nation. And the, the thing is, is that Hashem says, okay, here's how you, you, we, can, we can effectively um, um, actualize a, a method of always remembering, always knowing uh, who Hashem is, how He functions, and our place in His plan. This is what the Mishkan is all about. Not that thing that you tried to put together, uh, you know, because when you look at it, he, Hashem says in the, 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 the royal tent, He says, don't make any molten images. Don't make any graven images. Yet, what does the Aron HaKodesh, what does the Ark of the Covenant have on it? Right. It has, and it says, do not make anything that is in heaven or on earth. So Hashem says, I'm going to, I'm going to give you symbols, but these are going to be, these are going to be correctly fashioned, and they will bring a message that is so much deeper than what you were looking for when you erected that that or that the, the calf walked. I, I believe that that Aaron, uh, besides trying to stave off a disaster, Aaron thought they were going to just have a feast to Hashem, and basically the, the the calf is what came out and then the heir of Rav and all those around them said oh and they fell down and they began to worship it because they were never going to they were never going to worship the, the the people who had their heart in the right place and their mind in the right place they were they weren't going to worship that calf anyway Aaron was trying to basically buy time right he was in a difficult situation he himself didn't understand exactly what was going with Moshe the, not the entire Erev Rav because some of the Erev Rav converted and some of the Erev Rav yeah. you, you know became adherents of, of Torah when, you know, even those that didn't convert but there was a negative element within right. the Erev Rav and they never had any intention of actually worshipping Hashem of, of heaven and earth because they were they their agenda was basically the same agenda that that type of person had from the very beginning that we were learning and appreciate the generation of Nimrod, the generation of the flood, the generation of the tower. <clears throat> they were basically wanting to be wanting to be um, rulers over the physical realm, and this yeah. this also is a, a little bit of an insight into the whole mystery of what, again I started to say why is the red heifer associated with the impurity of death. The whole concept of, of, of the impurity of death is that what happens is that we forget that the body is just, you know, uh, a container. Mm -hmm. And that when the body passes away, it, 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 it doesn't mean that life stops at all. It's just that it's a new stage of life. It's like a birth. But because of the, of the limitations of the human condition, we become very obsessed with death and it becomes a very morbid thing for us, and we are, are accustomed to thinking that it's the end. That's just how, <clears throat> that's how it is for people. The Kohanim, who are the ones that are responsible for bringing Hashem's blessing into the world, they're not allowed to, to involve themselves with death. They're not allowed to expose themselves to death ever. <clears throat> the Kohanim that are serving in the temple, because of the, this, this, this debilitating effect that it has on people, but it's really an illusion because death is not the end at all. Because again, if a person, that's, that's everything that the golden calf represents because if, it, if you are totally 
and mired in the physical, thinking that the physical is it can be your salvation or an this element of <laughs> it, that's that becomes everything, and 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 it's it's um, you know the the whole experience that we that we have of being exposed to death is is something that that. Um, Brings us down, that bring, that makes us depressed, that makes us feel far from Hashem, and it's all an illusion that the Kohanim are not allowed to pay attention to ever. But that unfortunately, because it's part of our our world, until like that verse in Ezekiel, Hashem says He'll wipe off the tears from all faces, and death will be swallowed up forever. Until that time, this is the situation. But the but the uh, the idea is, it is um, just an illusion. And of, of all the beautiful literature in the world of Torah, one of the most profound uh, de- uh, 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 explanations of this whole concept is in the writings of, of Rabbi Cook of Blessed Memory, where he explains that the, that, the, that the idea of the impurity of the red heifer stemmed from the fact that it's a lie. Death is a lie. Yeah. Excuse me, the, the impurity of death is a lie because it, it puts us in this mental state wherein we are basically forlorn and start to give up hope and start to forget that the soul is eternal. And that, exactly. that itself is the, is, the, um, is the source of its impurity, that, that kind of distance that, that we start to feel from Hashem. And the other thing is, you know, that the whole prerequisite of the, of, the, of the red heifer is that we don't understand it completely. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a tremendous um, lesson in faith in Hashem, you know, because He tells us in advance. The, that's the whole concept of a chok that we will not ever, as human beings, be able to. Actually, that's not true. Not ever, but in this particular period of time, we don't have the capacity, intellectually, emotionally, spiritually, however you want to define it, to understand the dynamics of the red heifer. But like we read in the Haftorah of Parshat Para in the verse in Ezekiel when Hashem says, I will sprinkle on, upon you cleansing waters in the future. When the world is rectified, we'll have the capacity to be able to understand how it, how it works. Mm-hmm. But the idea is, you know, especially today, there's no, there's no such thing as not knowing anything anymore. There's no excuse to not know anything because everybody has a device in their pocket <clears throat> that with one click of, of one small joint of their body, all knowledge is available to them. Of course, most people use it for arguing with total strangers and looking at pictures of silly cats <laughs> and that kind of thing. But you could theoretically yeah. know with that device everything that is that has been accumulated in the mass of, of, uh, of human knowledge. And constantly, mm-hmm. all day long, from the time that we get up, we're bombarded with knowledge and information. So especially in, in our generation, you know, there's nothing that we don't know. There's no guesswork anymore at all. You want to know something? Boom. One of those things that you always, that in the, back in the 60s and 70s, you wanted to know for 20 years or your whole life and you could never find out because it's just too specialized. No, you can know everything now. But you see, we can't know everything because we don't understand the way the red heifer works. And that is such a, a beautiful idea because that really is, is in a way, why the red heifer is the secret of purity. Because the secret of purity is the humility to be able to admit that there's a God in the world and I don't right. know everything in the world and I can't and I don't have to and I don't want to because it's Hashem's world. So even though I have all this tremendous information all the time, the most important things in the world of all 
I can't know. And I, and I, and, but it doesn't change my relationship with Hashem or my stature or status as a servant of Hashem. That's really, in a nutshell, what the secret of the red heifer is really all about. Yeah, yeah, and the fact that that there is there is one that knows all, and and that his instruction uh, in the form of the the misvote uh, will will provide everything that we need as far as answers to what we need in life to exist and and to go on to to the the life after after this one. And I, I think it's so beautiful. You mentioned Rob Cook. Rob Cook talks about in this Torah parsha the the uh, the interesting idea that uh, Hashem says, "Don't build any fires in your dwellings on Shabbat." And then he brings up the idea: Well, how come there's fire allowed in in the temple in the Mishkan on Shabbat? And he he actually is alluding to what you just did. And the idea is, is that fire is is an innovation that we were allowed to access, and we use fire as something that fire in all of its forms, power, uh, you know, electricity, whatever form of power, uh, God has given that to us, and it's in the Mishkan because it's something that God has given us, and it shows that, that God uh, wants us to take his direction and make the world a better place. Yes, technology is a good thing when it's used for good, and fire fire is actually another standing for technology. And I was I was I love that um, Rav Cook cites the the Talmud that says, uh, "If they desire, the righteous can create worlds." Wow. In reference to to this idea of the fire, mm. not to have any in your dwelling, but it's allowed in in the mishkan. Because it's you're not it's not to be in your dwelling, but the mishkan is not your dwelling; it's Hashem's. Exactly. And, and it's and it's on a different level of reality. It's it's not in this time and space. Mm-hmm. So the, the the this is this amazing idea that it's it's the, the morning after Yom Kippur. The whole nation is totally chastised. Totally sobered from the, that whole experience, that whole mistake of the, of the golden calf. And now Hashem is really comforting them and telling them, I'm, I'm going to be with you. You know, I'm, it's bygones are bygones, and I'm, I'm going to be with you. And this is how we're going to do it now. And again, we've been learning about this for three parshiot now, as Hashem has been telling Moshe intimately on Mount Sinai, the plans for the tabernacle. But now... It's actually time to put it into action. This this is the the real time now. And the first thing that that Moshe says as he assembles the entire nation together, he says these are the things that Hashem commanded to uh, commanded to do them. And he says on six days work may be done, but the seventh day shall be holy for you, a day of complete rest for Hashem. Whoever does work on it shall be put to death. You shall not kindle fire in any of your dwellings on the Sabbath day. And that's all that's written here about Shabbat. And these verses really are <clears throat> cryptic. They are skeletal. They're not giving us very, very much information. Why in the world would a person be put to death for breaking Shabbat? That seems very extreme, very harsh. It seems uh, really unfair. And we don't, not only that, but we don't really understand anything about Shabbat from these verses. And there's very little actually written in Torah explicitly about how to keep Shabbat. 
Here we have this idea, on six days work may be done. Well, what is work? What, what does it mean to do work? But the seventh day shall be holy for you, a day of complete rest for Hashem. And this one verse, you shall not kindle fire. This is one of the most, um, the clearest places in, in all of Torah where we see this tremendous, unbreakable connection between the written Torah and the oral Torah. Yeah. Because as you know, the whole concept of Shabbat is so, uh, it's a world. It's like a, a total world unto itself. It is, it's so complex. And yet it's, it's really not uh, here. We don't, we don't find it here. We know that Hashem taught Moshe on Mount Sinai all of these details. And we know that that's come down to us in the, in the oral Torah. So there's, there's so much more to Shabbat than these verses. And that is one of the clearest, I won't say uh, proofs, but one of the most beautiful uh, you know, uh, indications of, the, of that bond between the written and the oral Torah. But what is this idea about being put, put to death, Jim? Like what, what kind of thing to that? Is that to say, what is the introduction? What, that's the introduction to Shabbat? Like I want to teach my child to keep Shabbat and I'm going to say, if you don't keep it, you're going to be put to death. I, can I g give you what I, I think <clears throat> I understand it a little bit. And I think, I, I think the, the reason that, that I understand it is because I'm a non-Jew. I'm a Noachide. And, and we're not commanded to keep Shabbat. Uh, we, would, we, we don't have a court system for the Noahide laws that says you'll be put to death for, for doing something on Shabbat. And I think the reason for that is, is that Shabbat, for a, a member of the nation of Israel, of a soul who, who is uh, born into the nation or becomes uh, part of the nation, the whole, the whole reason for the existence of the people of Israel is to be a witness that there is a creator and that he, he created all things and that for a, for a, uh, a member of the nation of Israel, to do, and and Shabbat is all about recognizing that he's the creator because he's saying don't work because as your creator I provide everything everything comes from the creator anyway and so by denying that that's what you're doing that's what that's what a, uh, an Israelite is doing a Jew is doing when they ignore Shabbat they're ignoring God and they're ignoring by ignoring God they're ignoring their explicit duty as a priesthood. And that's how serious it is. It's like if you don't believe, if you're saying to the world, and what's the worst sin a person can do is to teach a sin or to teach the wrong thing, literally to those around them. I mean, I, it sounds harsh, but it shows you how important your role as the nation uh, chosen by God to represent him in the, the, the present world. It, I, I totally agree, but I want to take your idea and continue with it uh, also to, to the next level. Um, it's not, to me, it's not so much a question of ignoring God as it is cutting oneself off from God. Yeah. Because I think that Shabbat and the, and the Mikdash, the sanctuary at this point, the Mishkan, are both, they're parallel ideas because they are ways of clinging to God in this world. Mm -hmm. You know, and we talk about the time-space continuum and the fact that basically these two 
concepts are given to us together because what Shabbat is to time, the, the sanctuary is to space. Amen. One is a sanctification of, of the place, of physical, physical space, and the other is the sanctification of time. But it's the same idea exactly in terms of letting Hashem into our space and yeah. declaring that it's not even our space at all. Uh, I once put it this way, and I, I like this expression, we're, we're in this flotsam and jetsam of, of our reality, and, it's, and there's so much of it that, we, that, we, that, that you know, uh, causes us to go astray and that confuses us and confounds us. And that's what happened with the golden calf, too. It's because they were so confused. And how do I hold on to reality? You know? and, and again, there's so much going on all the time. We're literally bombarded with, with information, with emotion, with things that are... Um, distractions to the reality of the fact that we have an eternal soul and that's all that counts. And what are we going to do with it? Because this is one stage of our lives now and we are and we are here with a very specific mission. So I once put it this way, you know, that, that Shabbat and the and the no I'm not doing a, a Joe Biden here. Let me explain what I'm doing. <laughs> Shabbat and the Mishkan are two handles mm-hmm. by which to grasp onto reality. They are two handles that if you if you keep your hand on that, then you are basically rising above the 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 material mundane illusory world of despair yeah. and um, and hopelessness. That's what this world really is. For unfortunately, for a lot of people, and that's what it looks like sometimes. And so the idea is, you know, Hashem is the source of eternal life. And so the way that I understand this, the, the seemingly harsh um, warning that whoever does work on it shall be put to death is that basically if you do not have the concept of Shabbat as part of your life, if you are, if you are like, like the whole universe is going in one direction and you're coming and going in the opposite direction headlong. And so what you're doing is you're cutting yourself off from the source of eternal life. That's the idea of being put to death because you're, you're, you, Hashem is eternal life. Hashem is eternal life. Right. And therefore, the Shabbat, which is he describes as the greatest gift that he gave to his people, Shabbat is our way of rising above the, the hopelessness of this world and basically being able to bring sanctity into the realm of time. Yeah. which is exactly what the Mishkan does with, with space. So that's they are a set. They go together. But again, all of these concepts of what it means to, to observe Shabbat and what the concept of work is and how it's associated with the 39 types of activity that were used to construct the, the tabernacle, this is all so deep and it's all so beautiful because it is, it is a resounding example of the truths that Hashem gave to Moshe at Mount Sinai that were that were given in every generation, how we can reflect godliness in every aspect of our lives. The whole definition of work and what it, what it really means. It's not about it's not about um, you know work is not the best definition because what it, the concept of of Shabbat is really about not engaging in an, in, an, in a new act of creation. Right. And the idea that, of not yeah. of not creating something on Shabbat is because that's my time to reflect on the fact that I myself am created. Mm-hmm. I am a created being, and there is yeah. one creator. 
And so by bringing it all, uh, as it were, back to that point and connecting it, it's like a circle is closed and it is the circle of time every week by which all of the days of the week receive their spiritual nourishment, as it were, and balance. Shabbat is like the, the hub of the wheel that all the six spokes of the days of the week derive their, their survival from. And this is why the sages teach that Hashem originally only created the world for six days and that every week Shabbat comes and it's like the soul of creation. So we reflect that in our emulating, in our witnessing really that Hashem created the world in six days and continues to do so every week. And as far as the, the Noahides are concerned, it's true, they are not commanded to keep Shabbat, but yet... It is a beautiful time also for non-Jews who love Hashem and the Torah to identify with Hashem's creative process, with His with His sovereignty, and to set that day aside, yeah. not in the same intimate way, in the same uh, in the same way obligatory of, with all of the rules of of uh, of what Shabbat is for the Jewish people, but to use that as a time for family, for joyfully giving thanksgiving to Hashem, for contemplation. You know, the, the meme of social media of, of like a family sitting at the table for a meal and everybody is texting, you know. Yeah, and exactly. not only, They're not only texting their friends, but they're texting each other at the table because there's no, there's no um, yeah. uh, kind well, of I, like communication Well, I didn't want anymore. to give the impression that it's, that, you know, it's our day off. I mean, sure. Carol and I, we, we take, and, and because, because the, the arrival of Shabbat teaches the world that you need a break. And it, just from the very thing that you're talking about, and I, th- I think this is one of those places in the Torah. You know, we always talk about, or I love to talk about, the fact that the Mishkan is a model for creation. It's 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 like an abstract uh, model for how creation functions. Everything about it is marvelous. Well, this is one of the places where it's very obvious, and the sages use this parsha. To say that the allusions to sevens and making making things in the Mishkan and that they're 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 good, and it's all a parallel to the creation week story. It's it, it harkens back and connects to uh, the six days of creation, and then the whole thing is anchored by Shabbat and and, and the commandment for that, and it's a lovely thing because. Um, I really think that that if people haven't discovered this yet by now, when you see that everything in the Torah is has these wonderful multiple meanings, talk about symbology. This is it's it's so shot through in this parsha about the function of the Mishkan and later the 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 temple, and and then you bring it down to a microcosm. It's it's also. Uh, the story of uh, the creation of of humanity, and there's even um, I read an article the other day by a, a rabbi who's also a physicist, and he said the cell, the cell is even a model of the Mishkan. Uh, be, right. Because and the whole with, concept is really a microcosm of of the universe, right? Of creation, and it's and and thus I, to, again to use that word it. it it might sound an odd place, but it is a portal, in a way, yeah. because it brings everything together. And at the at the end of chapter thirty-nine in Parshat Pikude, we have these amazing verses that I started speaking about in the very beginning of our broadcast. Like, 
after the entire tabernacle was was uh, erected, we read, like everything that Hashem commanded Moshe, so did the children of Israel perform all the labor. Moshe saw the entire work, and behold, they had done it as Hashem had commanded, so had they done, and Moshe blessed them. Right. And those verses are so reminiscent of the verses in Genesis that we recite every Friday night at Kiddush, where Hashem saw that everything that he made was good, was and, good. and he blessed it. Amen. Because it's it's really like a like a uh, a parallel. Uh, I'm talking about the, the the first verses of chapter two in Genesis. Thus the heaven and the earth were finished, and all their array, because this really is really the completion of Hashem's creation. And that's again getting back to this week also being the the Parshat Chodesh, the special Sabbath of Rosh Chodesh Nisan, which of course. Rosh Chodesh Nisan is the day that the t- that the tabernacle was erected was 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 uh, dedicated. Uh, it gets back to that whole idea that the sages tell us that the that with the construction of the tabernacle, creation was perfected. It was perfumed, is their expression. It was like it was it was made beautiful because that was the purpose of creation that Hashem wanted to be welcomed into the world, and so therefore it all came together with with the tabernacle. We're getting back to the idea of Shabbat, and I, I started to say, you know, about like people texting each other. I saw uh, a meme, you know, there's this whole thing about um, going on in social media about funny restaurant signs, you know, restaurants that have very funny uh, signs. Always, there's always. Yeah, so there's a, there's a, a sign in a, in a cafe, something like, pretend it's 1990 and talk to each other. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, oh, it said, there's no Wi Fi here. There's no Wi Fi. Pretend yeah. it's 1990 and talk. Yeah. So, so the, the the whole idea I think of, of Shabbat on a simple level is, uh, besides all the tremendous rectifications on the cosmic scale of of what it means for us to be reflecting Hashem's perfection of creation and to be testifying that he's that he's still going you know doing the creative process he's still involved with man. It's such a beautiful time, I and mean, many people have never experienced this this. But really, to shut down the devices. Right. And to really get back to the core principles of what it means to be a person and a community and a family and to sit together. Otherwise, if we wouldn't have Shabbat, that's why I say it's a handle, because if we wouldn't have it, we would be lost really in a world of despair because it keeps on spiraling more and more information, more and more competition, more and more... um, you know, like vain strivings Mm -hmm. into this abyss of... of, uh, unlimited materialism and Shabbat is like the the bulwark against all of that yeah you know and you would you read the the verse that you just did that parallels the the creation story and and you have this accounting first you have this you have you have the creation of the Mishkan which is as the sages tell us is also paralleled in in uh, the, the creation of the world and how it functions and everything but it's also a it is also a model of of our own physical soul our soul and our physical body and yet and then after this you have an accounting rabbi it's almost like this is the story of our lives is that hashem brings us into this world he creates us according to a pattern, the DNA strand and everything that he put together. And then at the end of it all, we have an accounting before him. 
before our Creator. And, and we and have to we have to show what we did with everything that He gave with us. With the materials, exactly. Every detail that He gave us that was His to begin with. Yeah. Because the 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 children of Israel. Again, they're in the middle of the desert. Where do they come up with turquoise and copper and gold and silver and these beautiful things? It was all the booty that they received, the payment, as it were, for the years that they were in servitude in Egypt. Yeah. And Hashem That's, gave them that. It's right there, what, so, it, uh, Shem, uh, Exodus 12, when Moshe says, go to your neighbors. Yes. You know, and I used to wonder about that, like, why, you know, why did they, these Egyptians, very, talk about materialistic, why would they just give this stuff over? And you know what made it real for me was 9-11, was the, was the destruction of the ten, Twin Towers. And that's, again, one of those places, that's one of those things where you remember where you were. And I remember how it felt like an existential call from Hashem that, Things can go completely awry and and crash and burn, and the all of society can can seemingly face um, and end to the way it's functioned. And that day, I remember thinking that all of the things that I thought were important had no value to me, uh, because we didn't know what was going to happen. It was like facing the end of a you know the the beginning of of a plague, if you will. And because it was very real. I mean, airlines shut down, radio stations went off the air. We were on the road when it happened, and we had no idea what was going to and, and it suddenly, none of the things that I thought were important were important to me, and a lot of it was my physical, my, the things that, that, that I owned. So you can see the people of Egypt. They've just gone through 10 monumental experiences, and I don't mean that in a good way, traumatic. I mean, people sometimes think the plagues were irritations they were uh, they were existential destruction nationwide empire-wide and by the end of it the biggest blow of all the death of the firstborn why would they put any value on their gold and their silver and their beautiful clothing no take it because it doesn't mean anything to me and of course there was the other thing is some of them many of them saw the power of Hashem and said uh this is their boss. <laughs> you know, like these these people, they have a real, their God is real. He is the God. And and we should help them leave. And Hashem put the favor of the nation in their eyes also. Yeah. That was the main thing. But yet a few days later, they changed their minds. Right. And they right. came in hot pursuit anyway. Yeah, Exactly. Yeah, they forgot. The other thing I want to mention, Jim, just it's so so uh, important to mention also, one of the, again, there, you know, there's these parallels between Vayakal and Pikude and the previous Torah portions where, again, the difference is that this is real time now. This is actually going out and building it and then accounting and, and showing and demonstrating this transparency that everything that was given over was used exactly for uh, for its purpose. But one of the outstanding features in, in Parshat Vayakhel is this concept of the heart. Yeah. Get which is so heart. amazing because yeah. it, there's so many different expressions that refer to the heart. Everyone whose heart motivates him, every wise-hearted person uh, among you shall come and make everything. Every man whose heart inspired him, whose spirit motivated him, 
wise-hearted women, everyone whose heart inspired them. And it's a, it's a Parsha of, of heart, you know. And we're getting ready for something. It's setting us up and, 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 and uh, breaking ground and getting ready to go. You mentioned it already, Rabbi. We're, we're getting ready to enter the heart of the Torah. Right. But what, I'm, but, what, but what you see from Parshat Vayakil is that you have to really have a heart to want mm-hmm. to bring Hashem into the world. There's no, there's no other portion in the Torah where we have this many mentions. In fact, no, no mentions, um, no, other, no other commandments in the Torah are associated so much with the heart. It's almost as if it's like this is not for everybody. It's only for those who have the heart for Hashem. It's yeah. supposed to be the whole nation, and it was the whole nation. And in fact, Torah tells us here that that uh, everyone brought everything so quickly. It was actually two mornings, and everything was finished. And then there was extra. Moshe had to say, "Stop! We don't need any more," because they were so motivated, they were so excited to to participate. But this this beautiful repetition of 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 how this was a matter of heart. It's so unparalleled. It's so unusual. The, the fact that there was this real sincere desire that's expressed by by these words everyone every man whose heart inspired him everyone whose spirit motivated him it was uh taking a step out and and really wanting to welcome hashem into the world yeah and and this calls to mind um is it tehillim or mishlei proverbs that says the heart is deceitful above all things and the remedy to that is right there in the in the Torah parsha we've seen in the way that that Israel reacted. They did as they were instructed. They were instructed in how to do the right thing. They were they were shown Hashem's mercy. They were shown the way to conduct themselves in every matter. That's when your heart is not deceitful. Is when your heart has been fashioned. And 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 um, you've you've been given. Um, I mean, if 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 you have a deceitful heart, that means you have a horrible lack of information, and you haven't been taught the the way to to uh, to function between your heart and your head. I hope that makes sense. But the idea, you know, the sages tell us the heart follows action, and so the fact that they were giving and they were. They were so moved, and and they acted on it completely uh, without hesitancy. Uh, it it reinforced having a heart that was not deceitful, that was and, oriented. And also, the the heart is the is the uh, dwelling place of the yitzarim of the inclinations. Mm-hmm. You know, tradition is the heart is associated with the person has the yitzar tov and the yitzhara, the good inclination right. and the bad inclination. That's why in Deuteronomy six, when we're commanded to to love Hashem. With all your heart, it's written with two with two bets, with letter bet twice. Bechal levavecha to love him with all your heart, and the lesson is, with both parts of your heart, with both the good the good inclination and the bad inclination. So I think the secret of the deceitful heart is a person whose yetsahara is taking over and yeah. is not able to to subdue it. But the but the idea here in our parsha is that we are called upon to conquer that that part of our personality and to and to focus all of our energies of our heart on Hashem that's the secret of the of the Yetzir Tov as it were of the evil of the good inclination 
overcoming those obstacles and rising to the occasion and, and realizing I don't have, none of this is mine. Everything that Hashem gave me is, is His and should be given, given back to Him for Thanksgiving. So everything that, that He's given me is only really for Him. Yeah, and He doesn't need it because in the end, all of that that, that you just outlined there, Hashem is, is asking us to do that because it will be for our own good. It will be our redemption. It'll be our salvation. It's really, it's he's really doing it for us completely. That's that's, and I think they that's realize the whole that. secret of the tabernacle is is yeah. the beginning of the redemption. That's why this whole part of the Torah is yet is waiting to be activated. The whole mm-hmm. concept of uh, imagine what a different world we would be in now how things would look not only as far as banks failing but as far as <laughs> leadership and as far as government as far as as man's inhumanity to man as far as uh, the the cruelty uh, and the and the lack of reverence for life that runs rampant through the world this is not what we were designed for this is not what humanity was meant to be we were we were programmed to be uh, uh, something altogether different on a much higher level of of being in tune with each other and with Hashem's presence in the world and of the beauty and the joy of life that we have. And that's really what the secret of the tabernacle as the microcosm of the universe is all about, as we will begin to explore in greater detail as we begin the book of Leviticus, the heart of the Torah, what we're supposed to be doing there, the experiences that we go through there, the not only in terms of prayer, in terms of understanding that this is a place where Hashem chose for us to be seen by Him, but all of the service of the tabernacle that we'll be learning about in Leviticus is, a, is an opportunity for us to overcome all of our failings and to, and to separate ourselves, to separate ourselves meaning to separate the godly soul from the chaff of the, of the, of the base animal nature of a person and, and not let that take over. That's what this is all about. And in order to get to that point, it, ha- it has to be a question of heart. You have to have a heart for Hashem. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that Vayakil really emphasizes. Mm-hmm. So I want to wish you a, um, a good, wonderful Chodesh Nisan. Actually, we're going to be back together again, hopefully, with Hashem's help, even before before the new month, which is later next week. But this Shabbat is the, the blessing of the new month and Parshat HaChodesh. And uh, may it be at a good and auspicious time. This new month of Nisan, which of course is the month of redemption, um, the the new beginning of uh, of a new world, of the redemption of Israel and all humanity. The time the time of the Exodus from Egypt is the the time of the final redemption as well. Amen.